everyone, and how are you doing? This is Isaac Jamal, Certified Life Coach, back at SYNYradio.com. Let me give you some logistical information. If you'd like to call in live to ask any questions, the number would be 319-527-4160, 319-527-4160. And tonight I'm really excited about our program. Uh, we're going to be speaking about the workplace and happiness at the workplace. Are you happy at your job? And I think that's a great question for everybody to really think about. If you're a business owner, are you happy with the company that you own? If you're an employee, are you happy where you work? And I think that everyone somewhere in their career has thought about whether or not they're happy at work. Now, some of us, like me, are blissfully happy at their work because our needs are completely filled and I get an opportunity to contribute and I get an opportunity to grow and I get an opportunity to work with all of you so that I can help you grow uh, into the uh, areas in life that you would like to go. And some people are super satisfied, but so many people are not. Statistically, somewhere around 40 to 45% of people are not happy at their job. And surprisingly, even the most successful people, people with large salaries, possibly a bonus at the end of the year, maybe even have a corner office or a company car or a very significant title, sometimes don't stay at their job because it's not enough. So I'm going to ask a general question. And again, I love conversation. You could either call in or you can text me or Instagram or Facebook. You can find me on Jamal Coaching on Instagram. You can find me at Isaac Jamal on Facebook, on Messenger, or on LinkedIn. You can send me that information if you don't want to come on live. If you want to send in a question or a comment, please. A lot of people, like we were saying, even with a lot of these perks, significant titles, are not happy at their job. They're not happy where they're working. Now, let's talk about some facts. Most of us spend more time at work than we do with our loved ones. More times than we spend with our friends or off. Uh, I think the other competitor to time spent is sleep. But we spend more time at work than we do everywhere else. So how can we be happy at work? And there are some basic fundamentals that we all have to accept. Work is work. Work is a place where I have a responsibility to perform my job and duty. And unless you are super wealthy and don't have the need to pay your bills, and those are all covered, or just day-to-day -day living, then we all have to go to work. We all have to do our job. 
that in mind, how can I be happy at work? What does it take to be happy at work? What do you need to create? What do you need to create at work so that you can go into your job happy? So a lot of people talk about this positive thinking. You know, I think I am, I think I am, I think I am, and so I am. And a lot of the times that'll work for a little while, but it's not sustainable. It's not about positive thinking. It's about creating an environment or being in an environment that's going to fill my needs. There are some basic needs, and there's two when it comes to job specific that everyone's really looking for. The first is results. We all want to know that we're good at our job. We all want to know that we're doing amazing at it, that we're adding value, we're making a difference, and that my contribution is needed. That need of contribution, that need of me giving of myself to something larger than me gives me a true sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. So performing your job, being good at your job, and others recognizing that is very important. Now for the managers out there, it's about building a process within the workplace where people can get recognized, where they can be called out or uh, singled out, individualized for their successes and their achievements. And that's one of the things we look for at the workplace. The second thing that's super important is relationships. The need, the human need for love and connection and relationships does not just mean my interpersonal relationships at home with my loved ones, but it also means that I want to be liked and loved at work by my boss, by my coworker, the, the people that I'm servicing, people I want to enjoy my time with. I want to laugh with them. And let me be clear, I don't mean that the workplace should be something where we go to have fun. The workplace is a place where we go to work and to get our jobs and responsibilities done. But within that environment, we look for as humans relationships. And there was a Gallup study that was um, given out, and it showed the results of the Gallup study was that if a person had at least one good friend at work, they would perform three times as much than if they didn't feel that they had that connection. So at work, results and relationships are really what we're looking for. And if we don't have that, even if we have all the significance, the perks, the money sometimes, we feel unfulfilled and we feel empty. We feel like we're not contributing to the overall, to the overall success of the business. And in today's world, millenniums specifically, feel that they want to contribute. They feel they want to make a difference at work. And we're finding more and more that people will quit their jobs after three or six months. And when asked why they left, 
it was that they weren't making a significant contribution to the company. They weren't able to shift or influence or change the company in a substantial way. That's very interesting when we look at that. It is. It's so interesting for us to be able to look at why that people want to contribute. People want to add value to our business. People want to feel like they belong, that they're part of something bigger. And for bosses out there or managers, understanding your individual employees is so super important, especially in today's society. If we look back at a couple of decades ago, basically if you were fortunate enough uh, to have a parent or a family business, that's what you were going to do. There wasn't much choice. Or if your father was a lawyer, most chances are you were going to become a lawyer. If your father was a doctor, most chances were that you were going to become a doctor. In today's world, with such an economic shift in what's happening with the Internet, with online selling, with the service businesses, that a lot of those dynamics have changed and now opportunities and freedoms have come along. And now I get to choose. But how do I choose? What type of company do I choose? Where do I want to work? What do I want to achieve? And a lot of the times, when we're unhappy at work, and it's time for us to leave, the things that hold us back are always thinking about what I'm going to lose if I leave. Maybe you're at a particular age. Maybe you're just starting out. Maybe it's not going to look good at your resume. Maybe the financial gain for you to be able to keep up and pay your bills stunts you and holds you back and limits you from what you really want to do. Now, what are some signs of being unhappy at work. A lot of the times, I might have a boss that's overwhelming, really just demanding, always expecting, and there's no recognition. Maybe the people I work with aren't very nice, and that environment for me is uncomfortable. But always thinking about what it is that I'm going to lose when I leave holds us back sometimes from making the decision of leaving an environment in a place where you're unhappy. So try this on for size. Ask yourself this question if you're one of those people that are in a job feeling unfulfilled and unsatisfied but are staying there for the money. And you really know that you're supposed to leave or you feel your intuition, your gut, your heart says to you, it's time to go. But that fear element starts to settle in about what I'm going to lose if I leave. Try asking yourself this question. What would you lose if you stayed? Now think about that. What would you lose if you stayed? Would it be a feeling of not feeling whole? Not feeling significant? not feeling that contribution or growth that I need to feel happy and full? 
in today's business world, there are so many creative positions today that are being created. Things like we've never seen before. Service businesses. You know, the coaching business itself is on the rise. I read a statistic, I think about a week ago, that the number two, the number two business that has the most growth is personal development, personal growth, and coaching, only to be behind the technology, the tech business, where that's developing. And today with AI and so many different, uh, the Internet of Things, autonomous cars. There's so many interesting things today that we've never had choices, these types of choices before. And thinking about what is going to make you happy, what it is that you want, what type of company do you want to join? What are the expectations that you have for your day-to-day experience? Those are all questions that we start asking ourselves. Um, I want to take this opportunity and I want us to welcome somebody who is going to be giving a podcast on business and finance on Sinai Radio, on SYNY Radio. He's going to be giving he's going to be giving a podcast every Monday night at nine o'clock. Uh, I've had the privilege to be able to speak to him and get to know him a little bit. And it's my honor to introduce to everybody Jacob Rupp. Jacob, how are you? Hi, how are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm great. It's great to hear your voice. It's so nice to have you. Um, I've been just talking about the work environment and being happy at work and giving people some tips about thinking about not always if you're in a situation where you're unhappy do you only think about what it is you're going to lose if you leave, but also the thoughts about what you lose if you stay? And I want to give you an opportunity, first of all, to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, and maybe give us a little bit of a preview about some of the topics you want to cover uh, during your podcast so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. So. Jacob, why don't you speak a little bit as to, you know, a little bit about your background, a little bit about yourself, and let everybody know about you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. I've had such a, it's been such a tremendous honor and pleasure speaking with you and getting to hear your story. Um, Just for the listeners to know, I am a, a coach. I am a rabbi. I am a podcaster, father of four. Uh, husband, I think those are most of the uh, a proud Jewish person. I think those are kind of my main uh, my main main identities. I'm not, I'm not sure in which order, but um, but I grew up as a largely unaffiliated Reformed Jew from Northern California, and I spent ten years uh, plus on campus working at UCLA as a rabbi there. I became a rabbi in San Diego afterwards. Uh, where I worked with college students, with professionals, uh, and and high school students with the wonderful program uh, known as NCSY. And along the way, I somewhat fell into a what what we like to call I call sometimes the golden handcuffs, 
uh, both financially and career-wise, where I was good at what I did, and I was therefore never really forced to develop. And then when life hits turbulence, then you're like, well, now what do I do? And as a result of that, I, I began to study with as much uh, gusto and fascination uh, the, the world of psychology and business and marketing as I did with, with Judaism when I was, you know, it was just, it was an amazing opportunity for me to learn. And I found that there was such an amazing world out there uh, of, of, of thought leaders and of, of people that were contributing to making the world a better place in a very meaningful way. And I fell into a realization that so many of the ideas that are being shared and that are fundamental to what we're at, what, like what really speaks to us in our life now is sourced in the Torah and is sourced in Jewish teachings, but a lot of times it's hard for people to know where, like, how to find it and what it really means. So then I became fascinated in terms of helping people live um, a, a more vibrant life. I became a business coach. I became a life coach. Uh, and, and now I work with a wide variety of people, uh, mostly in the realm of the highly motivated people, C-suite executives, etc., helping them live more, more passionate, productive lives, both That's in their business life and in their personal life. That's amazing. Uh, one of the things that, I, that I'm listening to you as you're speaking, yeah, I think an important topic is those golden uh, handcuffs. How you said that, you know, your comfort zones or, you know, just staying in that position because that's what you knew until uh, life, the universe, or Hashem kind of threw it into a loop where you now needed to grow and had to grow into something else. What do you think were the things that kept you where you were? Well, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, a variety of things. First of all, I, was, I got a lot of meaning out of the work that I did. Um, I was good at what I did, both in terms of my sense of satisfaction financially and the, the relationship I had with, the, with my employing organization. Amazing. So all of the, and, and, and also, I was very blessed and cursed, I guess, in a, little bit of, in a little bit of a way, in that I really, I never really failed in my life. The, the first big failure I ever got was when I didn't get into the college I wanted, which, which really, like, like, set me, like, knocked me down hard. And I guess it's not fair to say I never dealt with failure. There's a lot of family challenges I had and body image challenges I had, but really, like, in terms of my scholastic ability and then really in terms of my job, like, I was making great money early and doing work that was very vital, important, and stuff I was good at. So a combination of all those different things meant that I basically spent a decade of my life without really digging into developing myself and my skills and my, and my mindset. That's amazing. One of the things, and, you, and you're pointing it out as you're saying it, is I said earlier that generally for us to be happy at work, it really takes two things. People generally look for two needs to be filled when it comes to work. One is contribution and results. You want to know that you're good at it. Right? You, know, you want to know that you're valued. You want to know that you're making a difference. And the second one, which you said very clearly, is relationships relationships can keep us at a job longer than we even want to stay there. But those two things, if you can find a job or a place where you can feel like you're making a massive contribution and you're valued and you have relationship, 
that's basically where we really excel when it comes to whatever trade or service we're providing. Well, I think I think, I think that's such an important point, um, and and it really is on both ends of the employee-employer relationship, and it's and it's it is really a kind of a new phenomenon. It used to be that for a lot of us, they didn't people did not look at uh, at their work as a place where they're their mm-hmm. true full self could express itself. You know, it's like people would say, you know, I have a, I have a store where I, where I sell X. And, and more and more, especially with the millennials, and, and, and I, I think it's not just a millennial thing. I just think it's the general uh, the world that we live in today. People are deeply seeking out relationships and personal success and personal growth in their place of business. I agree. And I think that they, this um, tsunami of technology where we're all interconnected, people have this innate feeling they want to make a difference. And this loud noise out there in social media, we all feel like our Instagram posts, our LinkedIn posts, our Facebooks, our YouTubes, or, or, or even my Snapchats, or wherever it might be in social media that you are, that I have to be different and make an impact. And I don't think ever before in any of the generations did we really have that sensation or that want and desire of making such a, you know, impact through work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, it's this concept of, of a of, – of, uh, the, the world has now become infinitely large. And it used to be that we were playing and comparing ourselves really only in a lot of cases. I mean, it's a beautiful – for those people whose families immigrated, it's like, you know, in the, in the old countries of which we all, you know, all came from, depending on when we came, it's like people lived in smaller communities and usually mm-hmm. might have done the same thing for generations. And, mm-hmm. and our identity wasn't tied into, like, like, a, like a farmer. Like, it's like, I'm a farmer. That's, that's what I do. And I, I derive my, my value in life from maybe the relationships, maybe from my religion. But as soon as you start to as soon as you start to realize that, you know, we can outsource a lot of the stuff that takes a lot of time, it throws us into a, into a, into a, an open space where we start having to ask the difficult questions of, well, what, what is my long-term contribution going to be? And it, yes, it's a hundred percent that there's people that are doing meaningful work. And I think that also that there, there's so many conveniences now that we have more time to ask those kinds of questions. I agree. I totally agree. The dynamics have completely changed. And I said earlier, if your father was a doctor, great chance was you ended up a doctor. And if your father was a lawyer, then you ended up a lawyer. And if, you know, uh, your father sold widgets, you probably sold those widgets too. And today there's so much choice and freedom and creativity that the work environment has completely changed. You know, we, 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 go ahead. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to jump in there. I I think that you know, I, this concept gets me so excited. You know, one of the things that I speak to a lot of clients of mine about, and that I just hear in general is, is, is a theme, is people asking, you know, why, why don't I feel like my mother never had to get a job outside the home and she was happy. My grandmother didn't. My father didn't. You know, my, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, my, my father was just, why, why aren't I happy just being a doctor? And I think that we have a tendency to trend towards feeling bad about ourselves like, if I was just a better person, I would be more fulfilled in my life. But, it, but it's literally a different world. And, yes. you know, unlike the old days where, you know, like everyone had to do a lot of the work themselves or have a ton of capital to, 
to hire people and, you know, in the slave away. It's like now with the globalization of the workforce, you know, you could have an entire fleet of people working for you, a team of people working for you for, 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 for you know, dollars, for cents on the dollar, and you can accomplish so much more. So then again, it moves you to a much more creative, there are just so many more creative opportunities that we have to see that our, our, our families couldn't. I, I agree, and I think that sense, I think the, the new piece that's coming in is that never before have we wanted to be fulfilled at work. Work yes. was a job, you did it, like you said, you were on the farm and you, you farmed from, you know, early in the morning until, until you couldn't, you know, couldn't work anymore. Or, you know, you, you, you went into the office and you did what you had to do. And never before did we have this sensation and this need, this mag- magnetic pull to, I want, I want my needs to be filled at work. It's no longer does your job give you a substantial income. It's are you happy at work? And a lot like our relations, am I happy enough at work? And those are some of the things that are really coming into this global market and how can I affect it? And I think that that a lot of the times gets us to question whether or not am I happy at work. You know, I, I just had this um, – one of, one of the things that's funny because I, I, tell, I tell people what I do is very, very simple – and then when I start having, you know, the, the conversations with, with potential clients, it be, you know, they say, well, I thought what you said was so simple. And, it's, you know, the ideas are very simple. It's how you integrate it into your life. That's, the, uh, that's where the art comes in. But I was having a conversation with someone that was checking me out at the local store, and this person was saying, you know, they're in, they're in college. And having this, this, this sense of, like, hey, I have to figure out what I'm going to do, and I don't want to jump through all of these hoops in order to sort of do what I think I want to do, even though I don't know what I want to do. And I was saying, like, well, whatever happened to just starting what you want to do right away and then learning on the job and getting the experience and figuring out if you even like doing it. And the person didn't think they had permission. It's like we, we, we've moved from, like, co- college for, I would say, the last 10, 20 years has become a permission slip to go out and work. Like, we didn't used to need that because the permission slips came from our parents. It's like, here's a, you know, here's a shovel, go out and dig. But then college became a permission slip to go out and work, and then it became like an MBA was a permission slip. And nowadays we don't need that permission slip. We just have to learn how to give ourselves the permission slip. And as soon as we have that permission slip that, oh, I have a tendency that I want to go into field X, and I want to do Y, and then you, 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 and you can do it, then it becomes a question of just, how can I do it? How do I do it? And people become unbelievably creative when given the opportunity for themselves to figure out, well, what do I want and how do I think I should get there? So I, I just want to tell the audience that um, Jacob's from San Diego and he's in the process of moving next week. So uh, first of all, I thank you very much for taking the time out and, and joining me. Um, but for you, I, I want to bring this is great. Thank you. For me, I want to ask the question because Jewish communities on the East Coast, uh, I, I find, are similar to the Jewish communities on the, on the West Coast and Jewish communities all around the world. But I find these days that a lot of people say this, that it's expensive to be Jewish. And a lot of the times their choices of occupation goes back to, will it give me enough money and not 
looking at purpose or passion or what their talent might be, but settling possibly for a job that might give them a, a windfall, but not necessarily talk to their strengths. Do you find that at you all? Wanna, you want to know what's terrific is that nowadays the, there's no, I believe certainly as anyone that lives on either coast, that there are no employment opportunities that give you a windfall anymore. Um, just in speaking to someone who has, you know, with the cost of private schools and the cost of, of, of real estate and all, all of those different things, just to, to, to live a basic life, um, you know, you have to be a, a top, top, top of any of the employment fields that are traditional. You know, doctors sometimes struggle to make it. The, 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 the you know, a qual engineer struggles to make it. I, I, you know, I have, a, like I said, a, t a ton of attorney friends who are, you know, they're, they're surviving, but, you know, if they were living somewhere else without those kind of responsibilities, like, they wouldn't feel that pressure. And unfortunately or fortunately, because the Jewish people are so wonderful, it's like as soon as you start to make more money, suddenly, you know, there's, a, there's an expectation or desire that you'll – there's just an infinite number of causes that are going to need your support. So I don't know in this day and age if such a thing as an employment opportunity that gives you a windfall is even realistic. Um, I, I agree with you. You do really well, right? Yeah, go ahead. No, the, finish, the people finish. that do do really well are, are those people who either, A, because ultimately it's like, you know, if, if you love something, if you feel passionate about something, there will be an, an intrinsic desire to get better at your craft. I, I, I love martial arts. So, you know, the more that I do it, I, I, I desire, well, you know, do I move? How do I, what, how do I position my hands? And how do I get better at that? And, and, you know, if I, I like drawing, and it's like, well, how do I get, get better at this craft? So as soon as you, you start to like what you do, again, it's not saying that it can't, it's not fun to be a doctor or fun to be an attorney or fun to be a, a CPA. Like, if that's what you like doing, great. But then you have to, you can't expect stability from that position, I don't think, anymore. You have to do something that you love so that you also love the process of getting better at it so that you specialize and you have a very a niche where you can sort of charge what you are worth or that you, you get so good at it that you become an evangelical for it and are able to, you know, the, the, the idea of being a rainmaker or someone that can generate business, at which point there is not that, like, set amount of money, but you can really see, I guess you can say, the bracha coming in that is, um, you yes. know, that, that, that allows you to live a bigger life. Right. When you set, set the intent somehow – it all works out. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm finding more and more with coaching, especially in our community, that young men and young women are in the thought process of not like you're saying, what, what's my craft? What's my talent? And let me perfect it. And that will be my source of income. But more so, what is going to give me the amount of money for me to be able to survive? And that is setting them up for failure personally. They might be very totally. successful financially, but their personal fulfillment somehow just whittles away. And, you know, after 5, 10, 15, or maybe even 20 years of it, you kind of look around and say, okay, I've amassed. You know, I, I have a couple of homes, and, yes, I'm a, I'm a generous contributor to a lot of wonderful organizations, but something's missing. 
And I think that thought process, especially to the young people, to find out what their talents are and you're young enough to be able to try different things to find out what that is. If you don't know what your talent is, then yes, during the college years or those, those, those early on years, you have enough time to be able to explore to see what it is that you enjoy and love and turn that into your craft. Well, I think, you know, it's funny. One of the things that I think really crippled, crippled me and allowed me to fly was I did a ton of horrible jobs when I was younger. And, you know, from garbage <laughs> man to working in, uh, working in retail to working in uh, uh, Pizza Hut, like I, I did all these jobs. And, you know, it made me, like my skin crawl when I felt like I was being boxed in. And right. when I walk into fancy offices, even today, you know, a lot of people that I, I work with have like really fancy offices. But what, what's coming to me when, when I see these big offices is it's like a beautiful prison. You know, it's like the rat cage looks very nice. You know that is w- like, very, very well played, Jacob. <laughs> I, I don't know. So, so I would first potentially question the premise that there are a lot of opportunities, business opportunities that allow you to have the multiple houses and the financial security that everyone's looking for. And, and then I would say, yes, all the more so, it's not going to give them personal fulfillment. Now, the, the, the point that I would suggest or I would put out there and I, I think awareness is, is really, you know, it's like noticing you have a problem is the first is the first major step towards towards getting better. But consciousness with Yeah, exactly. I think with the tremendous pressure that we are all under nowadays, which is a very mental pressure because it's like, you know, we've never been so blessed financially. We've never been blessed with so many opportunities or just, just things at our fingertips. With all of that, there's this tremendous anxiety that comes that, you know, I'm not going to be enough or there's just the, the, the responsibilities are too great. And as a result, we, we quest, we look after stability. So with, what I think, it's, I think what people are, are plagued by is this need for stability and this need I agree. for, you know, this need also, and, and, and I, I, I love asking people these kinds of questions. People also need that sense of, a, a self-esteem where it's like, I'm good enough. So then, what's that? Significance, I said. Exactly, the sense of significance. And a lot of people translate or think that they're going to get the significance or they're going to get the stability by money. And anyone that knows anyone who has a lot of money knows that in, in, in many ways that demographic suffers more or just as much as the rest of the population. I mean, it, it, a fact is, is how many people on Wall Street or in Silicon Valley are in drug rehabilitations and they have millions, if not billions of dollars. So money totally. is not, you know, money. And I put out a video not too long ago. Um, you could see it on either, you know, anywhere on my social media that money equals fun because we all like it. We all enjoy it. We all want it. You know, it's wonderful to have to own a beautiful home on the ocean. It's beautiful to yacht, uh, to have a yacht or, or or a jet. And we all aspire and we all want these things. And if you if you're saying that you don't, I, I you know I would check your blood pressure because I think these things we all look at and we want that financial success, but life does not equal how much I have in the bank. That life really that fulfillment, that enjoyment, that sense of real adventure 
is my interpersonal relationships. And that is really what it's all about. And I find that a lot of people measure themselves based on how much they have in the bank. And that's their value system and that's it. And it's very difficult sometimes to get people to even recognize that they've been chasing a dream. Uh, I like to call it happy currency. And it's the if-when scenario. If I go to the college that I wanted to, then I'll be happy. If I get the job that I want, I'll be happy. If I buy the home that I want, I'll be happy. If I marry the person that I want, I'll be happy. And it's a constant if-then. And we're not learning how to be happy where we are. Happy even where we are sometimes at our workplace that, you know, I have to take a sense of responsibility. My environment might be terrible, but I can bring in some light. I can bring in some happiness. I can shed some joy on where we are on a day-to-day basis. And I agree with you so much that people, you know, get confused with why is it that we want money? What is it? It, yeah, absolutely. We want that sense of certainty and security and stability. And, you know, you're a rabbi, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this in there as a curveball for you, right? Is there ever a real sense of stability or certainty? Oh, Can we have that? Sure. It, does it exist? Yes. I just don't think it has anything to do with money. I um, agree. You know, it's like one of the things that I'm most excited about, I had this mental block in my head for years. And my, my, my wife also, we're, we're California kids through and through. So it's like, you know, Northern California, then we went to Southern California to L.A., and now we're in San Diego. And, like, I had a real block about, about cold weather. But then I realized, like, that's a block, and I'm going to go to the coldest part of the country because I'm going to – like, that's where, that's where the ultimate growth is going to be. And I think that, the, that learning – to embrace challenge, learning to look at challenge as an opportunity, that's the ultimate security. Now I can get rabbinic and say that's what Amuna is, is the idea that wherever you are, God's there too. That's what Dr. Yes. Melch says. That's what Nachman says, this concept that even if I'm in the, in the, in the furthest depths of hell, so Correct. God's going to be there for me. So, so, if, so if that's the – go ahead. I was going to say, you know, from a life coaching standpoint, and I'll explain to everybody, there's this fear versus faith dynamic. We, we get very afraid, so we seek certainty. But if I have enough faith that I'm being guided and that I'm be, there's a purpose to everything that's happening, then that gives me the sense of security because fear, although I seek certainty, will never give it to me. Totally, yeah. They're, they're, that's the that's the place of security is is faith and and looking forward to challenges and looking forward to meaning like you know it's funny I, I, there was a there was a great example of somebody that I, I a client of mine that I was speaking to and very you know she very she very prominently um, discussed her her position as a, as president of a bank and. You know, as an immigrant, she was very proud of her of, of her ability, and and that there was a finan- you know financially that she was successful. And I started asking, well, what if you would lose your job, and what if you would lose your money, and what would happen to you? <laughs> and initially, 
you know, she, she you know, it, it's like if you lead with I have a great job, or if you lead with I have, you know, I'm, I'm financially well off. And some of us don't say it, but it's like, you know, there's a reason why, you know, Gucci has very uh, clearly defined, you know, like the belts. Like we all know how much your belt costs. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So it's like, um, so, so leading with that. But I said to her, I think what you're really proud of the fact is that you have the capacity to become to become a, a boss. And that, even if you lose it, you don't lose the capacity to become a boss because you've done it. And so you can do it again. And as soon as you switch from, I need to hang on to my successes because without them, you know, it's like, it's like you feel like you don't deserve it. And if I would ever lose that, then I don't know what would happen to me. And, and instead embrace the challenge that you have overcome. There's, a, there's an amazing guy, again, for your listeners, I apologize. I hope they have a... Uh, I hope they have a clean version of this book, but he does have not the most clean language. But there's a guy named David Goggins who is uh, an unbelievably inspiring, uh, he's a Navy SEAL and, and an ultra marathoner and just really, really inspiring uh, character. And one of the things he speaks about is this idea of a cookie jar. And he says that every time you overcame something difficult in your life, that becomes a cookie from your cookie jar. And as you're mm-hmm. going through challenges and you're like, gosh, how am I? again, and, it, and it's a beautiful thing, but David Amell says it also, is it's like, as you're going through challenges, you have to dig into your cookie jar and see that you, you've done things like this before. And if, if we, we all have the capacity to have a cookie jar, and when we, when we are able to recognize that we have the capacity to overcome challenges, that's ultimately where our security is. It's like God carried us this far. Why are we just kind of assuming he's going to drop the ball on us now? You know, you're touching on something very personal for me. Um, growing up, uh, I was born to two parents that came from Lebanon, and for a very long time, we struggled with finances. And uh, my family got together and started a business in 1980. And I joined that business somewhere around uh, 1990. And for a very long time, my identity was not Isaac, but it was the name of the company. You know, if they asked me who I was, I would say the name of the company. I wouldn't say my name. And I was there or, you know, we try to work things out for almost about 19 years or so. And I decided to leave the company because of a lot of toxicity that was happening inside of me. And when I left, I had this identity crisis of who am I? Who, who am I? I? I'm not this company anymore. And who is Isaac? And those moments actually years, it it was about a process of about four and a half years for me, where I was probably at the lowest point I could be. But in retrospect, it taught me what I was really made of. And that my experiences before, I had so much strength, I had so much talent, I had so much to offer the world, that now I can appreciate who I was, as opposed to just being significant enough to mention the name of the company, and that's who I am. And I, and I agree with you that a lot of people, a lot of the times, want to go to a brand-name company. They want to go to a, you know, wear brand-name clothing. You know, and, and for them, that's part of their identity. And the, the search is, and the growth, is those growth edges are always in the places where I'm most challenged. And that's where you really find the good stuff. Pushing yourself, yeah. you know. You, I know you said you're, uh, you know, you're, you're an avid uh, uh, person who loves to, to work out. 
you know, resistance in the gym is picking up the dumbbells and pushing it as hard as you can, and eventually a muscle is developed. And that's where growth really happens. And so, it never goes, I mean, that's, a, that's a, and I think that that's just, just one practice, like, I'm, and I'm so sorry to jump in and then I have to jump off the call because that's fine. we have a birthday party we're running for, but... Um, Happy but, birthday. You know, thank you. There's a... Um, there's a one of the one of the founders of a, of a martial arts named uh, named Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So he, at the end of his life, wanted to be buried again. Not that it's a Jewish thing because we, we don't get buried like this, but but the, but I think that the concept is beautiful. You know, he was black belt many many times over. He actually like started the discipline, and he said he really wanted to be buried as a white belt because what a white belt symbolizes is a beginner. And the Ramban actually says a very similar concept, which is like for everything he's accomplished, he's only looking at that struggle that comes as a beginner. And a lot of us want to run to a time when we don't have to worry anymore. It's like how much money do I have to have in my account before I don't have to stress out anymore? Or, you know, what, what rank in the company do I have to be before I can like sit back and chill out? And those people are, are always rushing to surround themselves with others that are going to keep them like safe and comfortable. But a real operator, a real practitioner, is is someone that wants to maintain that. Again, it's like it's like a couple getting married. It's like you know, no one wants to run to the part of marriage where it's like, yeah, we've been married for thirty years and we're completely used to each other. It's always like, and and, and it, that's even in the Rosh Hashanah davening. It's like Hashem remembers us when we wandered out into the desert after Him, and and that and that beginner's mentality when there's so much lack of comfort and lack of. And you need the faith, and you need to get punched in the face a bunch of times, not, not God forbid, in a relationship, but I'm saying, like, right. from life and from challenges. You know, there's learning to love that process and wanting to hold that into your whole life. I think that, I mean, that, that's really the only thing you have guaranteed for you is that life's going to throw you curveballs. So you've got to get yes. really, really good at catching curveballs and love that you're learning how to catch curveballs. And each curveball is making you a better catcher. So the line I like to say, or, or the, the, you know, what I like to tell people is the, quali- the, the amount of uncertainty you can accept in your life is always, always going to equal the quality of your life. So the quality of your life is how much uncertainty can I live with? And that's where the growth areas are. So amazing, Jacob. Really, it's really unbelievable. Love you, brother. So Thank nice. you so much for Be- this. Before you go... Hello. Podcast about tell the listeners, you know, uh, what it is that they can look forward to, and they can listen to you every Monday night at nine o'clock. Yes, sir. So, so we're going to do the whole gamut. I, I, I want specifically people not to feel intimidated um, by the, by the content. We're going to really take a very um, expl- explanatory approach that I'm hoping that someone that knows a lot about business can get a lot out of, and someone that knows, you know, not so much about business. We're going to speak about finance, marketing, branding. Um, the psychology behind business and, and, and relationship development in the workplace, how do you find success in your job, and, and how do you potentially build a, a, a financial situation for yourself that you're excited about, that's, that, that's lucrative for you, all of those things. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited. And I really appreciate it. That sounds excited, and you definitely have at least one listener, Jacob. I look forward to it. Oh, now, now I've got to work really hard if you're listening. Thank you so much, Sal. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Take thank care, you, brother. Thank Happy you. birthday. Okay. Enjoy, enjoy the birthday party. That was amazing. That was so, so, so um, uh, you know, inspiring. And I think uh, at the end there, when we're touching on growth opportunities and uncertainty and fears that 
facing your fears. You know, successful people end up being successful because they're the, they're the ones who are most afraid. And that sounds a little strange because the people that are afraid that they might end up in a negative situation, that's the driving force that gets them to success. Failure just basically shows up and says, I'm here. Hi, I failed. You know, it just didn't work out for me. But the successful people know those areas where they have to grow. They have to push themselves. They have to get themselves to the next level so that they can become the leader, stay in front of the path, be the innovator, and be there. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. And again, space is definitely uh, becoming less and less. We have signed up uh, many people to the program that I will be launching in September called From Stuck to Unleashed. And it will be a 12-week program that will be fully automated, keep you fully accountable. There'll be daily logins. There'll be an hour of group coaching. There will be an hour of power squads where we will break the group down into five or six people so that they can become more intimate. You will get 20 to 30 minutes of personal one-on-one coaching. And at the end of all of it, we will have a retreat and an amazing celebration in Florida for uh, two nights and three days. It's going to be an experience no one's going to want to miss. Um, If you're feeling stuck in any area of your life, relationships, career, health, personal growth, spiritual growth, any area, parenting, wherever you feel stuck and you feel that you were created for more, you have this desire for more, This program has been customized for you, and you will be able to get, and we will deliver the results for you that you are looking for. I want to thank everybody for listening in. I want to thank uh, Jacob Rupp. Everybody tune in to his podcast on Monday night. We will be here again next Tuesday. I look forward to it. Have a wonderful evening.